From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. The horrific deadly shootings in Atlanta last month that killed eight people, six of whom were women of Asian descent, have led to a reckoning over rising rates of violence and hate against Asian Americans. These incidents have risen dramatically across the country and locally since the start of the pandemic. According to a study from the Center of Hate and Extremism at California State University, overall hate crimes rose in 2020 by 7 percent. Anti-Asian hate crimes spiked by nearly 150 percent. There were nearly 4,000 reported anti-Asian hate incidents, with women reporting more than twice the rate of men. Keep in mind, many cases are never reported. And these hate crimes are happening here in Oregon, too. In Multnomah County alone, there were 271 reports of bias crimes last year. 61 so far this year. Half involved black victims, but Asian Americans reported the second highest number of race-related bias crimes. Since the beginning of the year, vandals have hit more than a dozen mostly Asian-owned businesses in Portland's Jade District. Many people in the Asian and Pacific Islander communities are both afraid and angry. I would describe it as, as, as feeling as if someone had just knocked the breath out of me, um, literally, as if someone was sitting on my chest. Since the shootings in Atlanta, we've seen vigils and rallies calling for unity and spreading the message to stop anti-Asian hate. In this episode of Straight Talk, we bring together a panel to talk about these rising incidents and how we can work together to fight it. In our first segment, we welcome Peggy Nagai, a local attorney who's a third-generation Japanese-American. Her parents and grandparents were incarcerated in an internment camp during World War II. Peggy represented Minoru Yasui in reopening his World War II Japanese-American curfew case and ensuring his conviction was vacated in 1984. She also was key in helping win a Presidential Medal of Freedom for Yasui in 2015. Also joining us, Kathy Wei. She was born in the Southeast Asian country of Myanmar. She immigrated to the U.S. with her parents when she was six years old. She's a member of the TriMet Board and North Clackamas School Board. She is the redistricting administrator for the Oregon Secretary of State and she's been a vocal advocate for people who are marginalized. And later, Ali Yi will join us from the Asian Pacific American Network of Oregon, or APANO. Representative Khan Pham will also join us. She's the only Asian American lawmaker in the Oregon legislature. She represents East Portland's Jade District. But first, welcome to Peggy Nagai and Kathy Wei. It's so nice to have you both here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Laurel. Thank you for um, talking about this topic that's really important for Kathy and myself, but a whole host of a lot of other people. Well, thank you very much. And we'll begin with Kathy here. What has this last year been like for you as a woman of Asian American descent? How have these incidents of hate made you feel personally? Well, Laurel, you know, I will just say that last year it has been an incredibly difficult year. Um, mainly because of COVID. Uh, we know that the pandemic has impacted a lot of families, community members, and particularly within my own family's experience as well. So, you know, as many of us are still recovering and healing, 
from the effects of COVID and the pandemic, um, we are also healing and, and struggling with the racism, um, the increased xenophobia and hate speech um, towards Asian Americans um, and those of Asian descent. For me personally, it has just been such a hard year, again, to deal with um, the health crisis, but also to deal with uh, the racism um, that many of our community members have been experiencing. Um, so I have uh, just sought ways to uh, be with community, um, uh, oftentimes in virtual settings, because we also have to continue to social distance. Um, and so I think it just, it's just important that in this moment, uh, we are taking breaks uh, to heal ourselves, to seek community, um, and also to share our stories, uh, because sometimes sharing our stories breaks that silence. Well, Kathy, thank you for sharing your story. And Peggy, your parents were incarcerated in an internment camp during World War II. And these recent incidents of hate are getting a lot of attention. I know they're horrific and disturbing to you as well. But you've shared with me they aren't as surprising given this country's history of hate against Asian Americans. Tell us more about that. Well, the first anti-nationalist uh, immigration law in 1882 was against uh, Chinese, the anti-Chinese immigration law. And in World War II, 120,000 Americans of Japanese descent were incarcerated for four and a half years of their lives. In 1982, Vincent Chin was killed by two unemployed white Detroit auto workers, thinking that Chin, who's Chinese, was Japanese-American, and they got three years of probation and $3,000 fine. So I've lived through the minority model minority bubble, the belief that if we are too good, we will um, that think something will happen. So that it's an ongoing history, uh, Laurel, of anti-Asian hate and disparity. Thank you, Peggy and Kathy. You've helped organize and attended vigils to spread a message to stop this hate. What are we seeing happening here in the Portland area? How would you describe the response? Well, we have seen um, the Asian community really come together to address the hate and the violence and the discrimination against our communities. But what I'm seeing, um, which is also very powerful, uh, are other communities of color uh, coming together to also be in solidarity with us and to really, and to really um, speak out against hate. Um, I think that it's just so important in this moment uh, to come together uh, as, as people, uh, particularly as communities that have been targeted uh, so frequently and so historically in our country's history, uh, to recognize that, you know, this experience is also something that is um, not completely new to us, unfortunately, and that Asian communities, um, you know, have borne the brunt of a lot of xenophobia and a lot of exclusion um, and racist policies and laws. And this is just, again, another example of, um, of our communities coming together, breaking that silence, and also trying to build solidarity with many other communities um, from other races and other backgrounds. And Peggy, you organized a virtual event this last weekend honoring civil rights icon Manoro Yusui. As part of that, you interviewed Hawaii Senator Maisie Hirono, who is Japanese American, and she's sponsoring legislation to address anti-Asian hate. What would that bill do? How would it help? Uh, in three different ways, Laurel. One, it, it would designate somebody from the Department of Justice 
to expedite review of COVID-19 hate crimes, especially against Asian Americans. The second thing it would do is provide guidance for uh, state and local law enforcement agencies to establish online hate crimes incidents reporting and expand culturally competent and linguistically appropriate public education campaigns. And three, it would help bring resources to communities to fight against hate uh, and to detail the best practices to mitigate racially discriminatory language in describing the COVID-19 pandemic. So it's a broad brush um, law that is really helping, will help Asian Americans and uh, our fight against this anti-Asian hatred. I want to read an email now I got from a colleague here at KGW describing how what happened in Atlanta and other events impacted him. He is Korean American and adopted as a baby and raised in this country. He writes, as a member of the AAPI community, I feel scared and frustrated, scared of going out in public for fear of being the target of a violent attack and frustrated in the fact that my ethnicity is being used as a scapegoat for the COVID-19 pandemic. Now I read about the seemingly daily reports of attacks on Asians in this country. It's like having a bullseye painted on your back. I wish and hope that my non-Asian friends and colleagues will notice that fact that I am Asian, despite the fact that I dress like they do, speak without a discernible accent, and share much the same cultural norms as they do. For I am proud of my cultural heritage and history as an AAPI. That won't stop, despite the racism and violence. And that note to me really showed me that our Asian American friends and colleagues may be hurting and many of us may not realize it. What can we do to support them, Kathy? That's a great question. Uh, you know, one of the many ways that we can support our Asian American uh, colleagues, neighbors, friends, family members is really just to check in. Um, like I was saying before, you know, in this pandemic, uh, a lot of people are still uh, working from home, um, having to social distance. And uh, I, I want to just talk about that isolation and what that could do, particularly uh, that could be also compounded by uh, what folks are experiencing with uh, the, the increase in anti-Asian hate. So I would encourage people to pick up the phone, uh, you know, call, call people, text people, make sure that they're doing okay. Um, and then secondly, I would also offer community resources, um, particularly around mental health um, and crisis lines that are available oftentimes 24-7 uh, to really help support people um, during, during a lot of difficult times. And Peggy, you also believe it's important to oppose efforts going on right now in this country to restrict voters' rights. Why do you think that's important, especially as it relates to the topic of stopping hate? Because those voter suppression laws are really the new Jim Crow, law, Crow laws. They're, they're about stopping especially communities of color from voting. Uh, and the two go hand in hand to undergird a condition, Laurel, of white supremacy in this country. So to combat voter suppression is to combat that and to have fair and laws. It's called a democracy that we're trying to build back that has been damaged and eroded by the last five years. Uh, these laws are blatantly Jim Crow laws. And Kathy, you are in positions of leadership. You're on the North Clackamas School Board. What has your experience been like in those positions? 
My experience on the North Clackamas School Board has just been incredibly rewarding over the last four years. Um, you know, I have, I am someone who have identified as being an English language learner, as well as the first person in my family to graduate and go to college here in the United States. And so I just feel like it is an honor every day to show up to public service and to really bring the voices and the stories of our students and family members uh, who may not all, all oftentimes be heard um, in the public spaces. Uh, you know, as a result of the uh, increased rhetoric, again, um, really since the start of the pandemic, we also know that words are, are very impactful and they matter particularly to young people and to our students. So last month, I was very, very proud that our board unanimous, unanimously passed a proclamation uh, to denounce anti-Asian hate rhetoric, discrimination and violence. And uh, that was a public meeting and it's a, it's a public resolution. And you know what I wanted to offer for my community and our students in particular is that our leaders are listening and our leaders are taking the right actions to protect them and to make sure uh, that that they are feeling valued, um, particularly in this moment. And Peggy, I want to give you the last word in this segment. Is there anything else you'd like to add to raise awareness or call to action about your dreams for this country? What I would say is that white Americans really need to be allies to white Americans that this is an issue that has to do with whiteness. And uh, you, as well as other people, Laura, are leaders in bringing white to this topic. But we need other white people to speak up and be allies to white people, teachers to white people, uh, and also to uh, tell them when it's not white, uh, and all the other things that Kathy said as well. Well, we're out of time, but this is a conversation I hope we can continue on future episodes of Stray Talk. Thank you both so much for joining us. And in our next segment, we look forward. What policies can we support to help change the culture and lift up vulnerable people in the AAPI communities? We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Stray Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. We're talking about the rise in hate crimes against Asian Americans and a call to action to stop it. I'm pleased to welcome Ali Yi from Apano. Ali is Chinese Japanese American. She's the Development and Communications Director at Apano. And Oregon State Representative Con Pham also joins us. She's a Vietnamese American and also worked at Apano. Representative Pham is the only Asian American in the Oregon legislature, the first AAPI lawmaker in Salem in a generation. Her district includes parts of Southeast and East Portland, including the Jade District, with comparatively large Asian American and Pacific Islander populations. Welcome to Straight Talk. It's nice to have you both here. And we'll begin with Representative Pham. How would you describe what we see happening in this country right now when it comes to the treatment of Asian Americans? And, and how is it affecting you personally? Thank you. Um, well, you know, anti-Asian racism isn't anything new in this country. Uh, from the Chinese Exclusion Act to the incarceration of Japanese Americans, there's there's been a long history of racist violence. But but in the past two years, we've seen this sentiment really get emboldened and become really dangerous during this pandemic. Uh, we've seen national leaders use deliberate rhetoric that scapegoats and targets Asians and Asian Americans during a time of collective crisis. 
So over the past year, and especially recently, we've seen that racism and hate are, are playing out in our communities in Oregon. And so we're seeing harassment, violence, uh, a lot of fear in our communities and tragedy as we've seen in Atlanta. Personally, I have just been in, in, in sorrow and heartbreak over, over what's happened to, the, to these, the families of the eight people who were killed in Atlanta, and also a lot of fear from my own community. I, as an Asian American woman, I've experienced racist discrimination and also sexist harassment. And, and I know what it feels like to feel that scared um, about my own safety. And so I just, um, I'm just carrying that heartbreak and also uh, just mourning with all the families. And Allie, these acts of hate and violence locally began before the Atlanta shootings, and they continue. We saw a number of Asian-owned businesses vandalized in Portland's Jade District. And just this week, a candidate for the David Douglas School Board reported someone knocked on her door and left a hateful note on her doorstep. How has all this impacted the Asian-American community? How are people feeling, and how is Apano responding? Yeah, so I think API-owned businesses um, across the country and the state, including those that we work with in the Jade District, have been facing multiple challenges around the pandemic. Um, they were impacted really early on in January and February last year before the shutdowns even began. And, you know, we've seen uh, in one weekend in January, 13 businesses in East Portland um, vandalized, and 11 of them were Asian-owned. Some of these businesses have been hit a couple times. Some of them have been impacted again since since January. And you know, we don't know the motive behind these specific incidents, but we do see them happening in the context of other explicitly anti-Asian incidents in Portland and Oregon, as you talked about. And I think that for our communities, for business owners, it's one more thing. It's another layer of concern and fear on top of everything that people are dealing with in this pandemic right now. And in terms of our response, um, specifically with the businesses, we've been able to help them uh, repair the damages from the vandalism. We've had some resourcing that I think really speaks to the importance of investing in communities so that we can be resilient and move forward when we're impacted by incidents like this. And Apano, in its reaction to the shootings in Atlanta, also said the tragedy in Atlanta especially points to the racialized sexual violence Asian women face in this country and globally. Representative Pham, will you speak to that a moment? Sure. You know, you can't pull these things apart and say it was just racism or just sexism. All of these things impacted what happened in Atlanta and who was targeted. We need to recognize that racist stereotypes about Asians, when combined with the objectification and the sexualization of Asian women, put Asian women at higher risk of experiencing discrimination and violence. It's also compounded by things like working in low-wage jobs, your immigration status, and language barriers. So when we talk about anti-Asian racism, we have to be clear about how that impacts different people in our community and how we address these issues and protect and uplift those who are the most vulnerable. Multnomah County Commissioner Sushila Jayapal was born in India and she came to this country when she was 16 to go to college and has lived in this country for 40 years. We talked to her right after the Atlanta shootings and she talked about how some people will always see her as an outsider and asked how do we work to change that culture. Let's listen to what she said. I, I'm an elected leader, you know, I'm an elected leader um, and yet as an immigrant, as an Asian, as someone who's identifiably visibly different that um, for some people I will never belong. And, and as Lori said, my children, that my children 
will also feel as if they never belong. We've got to make this visible. We have to call it out. We have to be explicit about racism towards Asian communities. Um, and then we have to turn to how do we change that? How do we serve our communities and change this dialogue and this, this um, experience? Trying to stop anti-Asian hate isn't just about prosecuting hate crimes. I've talked to you both about this, but, but about changing our culture. Ali, what are some of the ways that you would like to see the city help to change the culture and also to build community? Yeah, I definitely think that we create safer communities when we come together, when we have spaces to build that connection. That's how we root out racism and hate and white supremacy from our communities and keep not only Asian communities, but all of our communities, black, indigenous, people of color communities safer. And I think what we need to think about is how do we transform our communities and our state to be a really safe and vibrant place for all of our BIPOC communities. And that's more than a hashtag in this moment. It's more than conversations about racism. I think it's really about investing in community resources and investing in assets in our communities over the long term. And so, for example, in the Jade District, you know, we don't have a local park or a green space that's based within our district, and that's something that the community has been asking for for a long time. You know, we don't have a library that's based within our district or a youth center. We need some safer streets there. We have a very dangerous corridor at 82nd Avenue. These are all the kinds of things that impact how neighbors connect with each other, how we build relationships, how families feel secure and thrive and help us to feel seen and safe where we live. And Representative Pham, what legislation are you working on to lift up people in the Asian American and Pacific Islander communities? Well, I absolutely agree what Ali was saying about the need to, to have a really holistic approach. And the legislation I'm working on emphasizes all the different investments in communities that we need to be making to ensure that API communities are protected. So this includes more community-based approaches to safety, which doesn't necessarily mean investing in more police presence, but recognizes that when we invest in mental health services, childcare, housing, we're investing in the things that people need to feel good in their community and to feel safe. Uh, so as we're looking at getting this federal infusion of hundreds of millions of dollars into our state, I'm prioritizing major investments in affordable rental housing and affordable home ownership opportunities, because we know that having a stable home is at the heart of being able to be healthy and, and um, have a stable job and, and, and for kids to do well in school. I'm also prioritizing transportation investments because uh, deadly streets are, are not making people feel safe. And as well, I'm excited to support a Senate bill um, that would create an Office of Immigrant and Refugee Advancement to really focus on and lift up and serve our immigrant and refugee communities in Oregon. And Ali, what call to action would you like to see? How, how can all of us help? Absolutely. I think, you know, as an immediate response, we're asking people to show up for those who have been impacted. Um, some of that is around supporting the victims and families, and I think especially communities in Georgia that have been um, just mourning and grieving and responding to the tragedy that happened there. Uh, locally, we've been asking folks to support API-owned small businesses, get takeout from them, um, show up for them in that way. And then to also, you know, get involved and, and intervene in your own lives when you see jokes or slights, um, you know, comments that might seem very casual, interrupt those. And I think also 
there's an opportunity where you can get trained on bystander um, interventions that Hollaback and uh, Asian Americans Advancing Justice have been putting out. That's also a great resource as well. But as Rep Representative Sam and I were both talking about, you know, this is about not just this moment in our direct, you know, relationships with people. It's about policy change and long-term change and transformation. And so we would also love to see community members, our allies, our partners to um, join us in supporting the policy changes that we want to see and advocate for these issues. Well, we'll include a link on ways you can help in our Straight Talk story on this on KGW.com. Ali Yee and Representative Khan Pham, thank you so much for joining us here on Straight Talk. Also, my thanks again to Peggy Nagai and Kathy Way, who are in our first segment. And we thank you for watching and listening. Straight Talk is available as a podcast. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts and share this episode with others. Just search for KGW Straight Talk. Next week, I hope you'll join us for a discussion about addressing and stopping another form of hate in the Pacific Northwest, Islamophobia. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk. Have a great week.